Let me invite you to open the scriptures now to Nehemiah chapter 4. We are going to finish up Nehemiah chapter 4, and we're going to look at this whole idea of necessities. When we're talking about water for next week, water is one of the necessities of life for survival, right? Uh, People typically say we need four things to survive. Water is one of them. What else do we need to survive? We need food, we need shelter, and then there's some debate on the fourth. Some say, like, air. Others say land. Others have said fire. But most people agree it's chocolate that's the fourth. That's No, no. Uh, (laughs) We need water, we need food, and we need shelter to survive. But what our text this morning is going to reveal to us is Necessities not about surviving, but necessities about restoring the broken and burned. This whole, if you're new with us, this whole series from Nehemiah is about this reality. We live in a world where there are people who are broken and burned, like the walls and the gates of Jerusalem were broken and burned. And God put in Nehemiah's heart a desire to restore those walls and gates. And he has put in front of us, individually as a church, his heart that those who are broken and burned, who are not in relationship with him, who have experienced great trauma and hurt and pain and loss in their life, that they would experience God in the midst of that, that they would be restored. For that restoration to happen, and if Again, you're not sure what I mean. Uh, Our world is full of people who are uh, addicted. That's kind of the people rubble that we have in our world. We have those who have suffered from and are dealing with the impact of abortion. We have those who are lonely. We were made for relationship and community. And, And there's hardly anything as worse as being in the midst of a bunch of people, but lonely and overlooked, part of the rubble of our world. We have the unreached, those who have never heard of the gospel and those who are abandoned. You get the idea. It's the rubble that God has invited us as his people to restore. What is air, water, food, shelter? restoration. What are the necessities? That's what the text is going to reveal. We're going to pick it up in verse 15 of chapter 4. What we saw last week, just to set the stage, is that here was what was happening. They had started rebuilding the restoration progress, and progress brought, you remember, resistance. And resistance was responded to with prayer. We cried out to our God, and with the setting up of a guard in the lowest places, the most vulnerable places. So that's the context for which we then enter verse 15 now. It says, when our enemies heard that it was known to us that there was going to be attack, resistance against it, when our enemies heard that we knew about it and that God had frustrated their plan, then all of us returned to the work each one to his work. So the progress was 
met with resistance. The resistance was met with prayer and action. And so progress returns. We return to each one to his own work. But now there's a new strategy on the construction site. Here it is. From that day on, half of my servants carried on the work while half of them held the spears, the shields, the bows, and the breastplates. And the captains were behind the whole house of Judah. Those who were rebuilding the wall and those who carried burdens took their load with one hand doing the work and the other holding a weapon. As for the builders, each wore his sword girded at his side as he built while the trumpeter stood near me. We'll talk about the point of the trumpeter in a moment. But what this text reveals, and and this is not going to be new. This text reminds us that if the broken and the burned are going to be restored, a necessity, this is not a, this would be better. A necessity is that we work together. Did you see that in the text? They were working together. And working together involves some simple components. Working together means that different people serve in different ways. That's a lot like what we saw when the work began back in Nehemiah chapter 3. But different people need to work in different ways if we're going to be able to work together. And we're not going to get it done. We're not going to restore We're not going to be the church as God calls us to be the church unless we learn to work together, which starts with builders building, carriers carrying, guards guarding, some doing a little bit of both, and a trumpeter trumpeting. It took them all working together, each doing their part. Second thing we notice about working together is that each person was appropriately equipped to perform their role. Not everybody had the same tools, if you will. Builders had what they needed to build. Guards had what they needed to guard. And hybrids had both. They had either a A tool in one hand and a weapon in another, or a tool for their hands and their weapon girded at their side. Each person did their, uh, we saw at the end of verse 15, each to his work, and that work varied. And each worker had what they needed to perform their role. So that third, and this is the essence of working together, Each person doing their part allowed others to do their part. It's the dependence upon one another. See, I can genuinely, if I'm a builder, I can fully build if I know somebody else is watching and guarding for the enemy. And I can fully guard if I know I'm not just guarding, I'm guarding because somebody else is building. Each person doing their part, equipped to do their part, and trusting that the other will do their part. 
It's not complicated, but it's a a necessity. Church, I don't think this is hard for you to figure out. We're not rebuilding walls. What are we doing? We are restoring the broken and the burned. We are making disciples. And a necessity is all of us doing our part. Now, I had a guy say to me this week, you know, Doug, you talk about that a lot. And some of you are thinking, you talk about that a lot. Some of you may be tired of me talking about it. Do you know why I talk about it so much? Because it's like my favorite thing to talk about. No. Why do I talk about it so much? No, what's the word? It's a necessity. It's a necessity. So, church, CFC, bring it real life right now. We have roughly 50% of the food, water, and shelter that we need. Meaning what? Meaning we have about 50% of our folks doing their part. Now, all depends what we compare that to is what we decide. If we compare that to other churches, it's like, hey, way to go. That's like a solid double. But if we compare that to what the Scripture says, we're not close at all to what God has in mind for his church. And so I want to keep it very simple. I want to ask you again, if this is your, if this is your body, Remember or not, if this is your body, for us to be what God intends us to be in this community and to the ends of the earth, whether it's for the orphan, for the unreached, for the abused, for the abandoned, for the broken home, for the addicted, if we're going to be who God intends us to be, we need... Some of you who are not participating, we need you to do your part. Because what happens is others are seeing the need and are feeling the weight, and they're like trying to build, guard, carry, and trumpet at the same time. So we have some that are totally unengaged and some who are, quite frankly, to engage, trying to do other people's parts because other people aren't doing their part. I'm, I'm asking, again, not because it's one of my favorite topics. I'm asking again because the scripture could not be more clear that this is the way God intends the church to function. Would you, if you're not yet serving in some capacity and this is your body, would you Make Ephesians 4.16 real here at CFC. The whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. See, it's, it's every one of us doing what we are intended to supply according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. 
for the church to be the church as God intended the church to be. It takes those who are not doing their part to step up and do their part. And for us to equip you to be able to do your part so that you can do your part, which allows other people to do their part. It's so clear in the building of the wall. But frankly, that's just bricks. We're talking about people's people's lives. We are. We're talking about the unreached. We're talking about the lost in our community. We're talking about the orphan in our community. We're talking about those who are lonely and abused and abandoned in our community and to the ends of the earth. And we have a role. And I'm simply asking that through words spoken, the Lord would speak to your heart. And for some of you take a first step. Others of you may go, wow, I'm a builder guarding. I should get refocused in who God has made me to be. So would the Lord speak to us in that regard? All right, that is working together with this one extra view of the construction site. Go back to Nehemiah 4 and look at what it says in 19 and 20. I said to the nobles, the officials, so after he describes how it's working, I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. At whatever place you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. What's he saying? Very simply this. Uh, A construction site needs builders to build, guarders to guard, carriers to carry. And then there are moments in the time where a need means we need everybody to go, I'm a builder, but I'll run with my shovel (laughs) to whack somebody if we need that. It's simply a a mentality that says, I'm going to do my part and I'm going to be prepared to do what is needed if and when a need arises. I'm going to blow a trumpet and everybody's going to gather for the same purpose. It's a little bit about what's happening this week. You realize how much it takes for power-up clubs and then Power Surge Sunday to, to take part. We're kind of b- blowing the trumpet. I blew the water trumpet a, a few minutes ago, if you missed it. It said, we need to gather like 90 cases of water. And we need to gather to go, let's be good host. You see... We, we're scattered doing our part and then there's moments when need arises where we say we all do what needs for the moment. Working together, not just a better idea, it's a necessity. Second necessity that the text reveals is this, the necessity of being scattered and Gathered. Go back to verse 19, and then we're going to read through the end of the chapter and look for these scattered and gathered points. 
I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. At whatever place you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there, our God will fight for us. So we carried on the work with half of them holding spears from dawn until the stars appeared, which means what? All day. We worked when there was light. At the time, I also said to the people, let each man with his servants spend the night within Jerusalem so that they may be a guard for us by night and a laborer by day. So neither I, my brothers, my servants, nor men of the guard who followed me, none of us removed our clothes. There was a time in high school my son made this his life verse. I was like, dude, that brown bathing suit is going to rot off of you. And he was like, I hope so. But that's not the point of this text. But this is not a life verse. Each took his weapon even to the, the water, meaning... There was never a time where he took it off. They were scattered and they were gathered. Why was scattering a necessity? As the the wall they were building was two and a half miles long. If, if they didn't scatter, they could have had one fantastic wall at one place. The only way the work was going to get done is if they said, let's by day scatter. Scatter so we can accomplish the work. Two and a half miles long, 39 feet high, eight feet wide. For that to happen, they needed builders to scatter, carriers to scatter, guards to scatter, hybrids to scatter. They had to scatter for the work to be done. But they didn't stay scattered. What'd they do at night? They all came back and gathered. Why? Same reason they didn't take their clothes off or ever take their swords off. Why'd they gather? Purely for protecting one another. They were vulnerable when they were scattered out, spread two and a half miles thin. But when they were gathered together, there was protection. So church, if we're going to be who God intends us to be, what do we need? Do we need to be scattered or do we need to be gathered? Yeah, I hope you capture the picture for us as a church here. See, what we see, the necessity for the rebuilding of the walls, the necessity here. And both of them, Both of them, both of them must have equal value in our heart. 
As a church, let me sound the warning here. As a church, the longer we exist, the easier it becomes to not scatter. The longer we exist as a church, the easier it becomes to not scatter. Do you know why? Because the longer we exist, the more things we can do for our selves and the more we can enjoy the church for our selves and the more programs we can develop for ourselves and the more minutes we need for ourselves and the more of our finances we can commit to ourselves. But do you recognize as a church that is wholeheartedly committed, and I'm not against gathering because <laughs> it's a necessity, as a church wholeheartedly committed to gathering, we can lose our scattering. We can end up not being engaged in the places that God has sovereignly put us. We talk about bless. Begin with prayer. Listen, eat, serve, and share. We talk about bless, blessing our physical, literal neighbors, blessing our work folks. We talk about that because that is the work of scattering. We have commended missionaries and we have short-term mission trips and we raise funds and we invite you to give because that's the work of scattering. We even encourage hospitality when you're here on campus because... That's the work of even scattering here. You know, here's how, here's how it can get in the church. We, we come, we find some friends, we look forward to seeing those friends, and we talk to those friends, and the more we hang with them, the less we see other folks around us. We sit at the same spot, we talk to the same people, we go to lunch with the same people, and we begin to. We would never say this, but we don't really care about the other people who are new coming in. Why not? Because we already got our people. If we're going to be the church, as God intends us to be the church, there's a call for us to, to scatter. But not to the neglect of gathering. said it lots of times now, it begins to sound like a broken record, but, but the pandemic, COVID, was a reminder of the necessity of gathering. That, that watching separate has its value when you don't have an opportunity to do anything else, but watching is no substitute for gathering. What's the, what's the dilemma or, or what's the danger, I should say, of not gathering? That's what we say here. The danger is to the vitality of our own faith. Uh, I almost always try to say when someone will speak to me after a gathering on a Sunday morning or a Thursday night and they say, oh, the Lord, the Lord spoke to me, the Lord encouraged me. You know, my first response to that is, 
And I think people think I'm being silly. I'm not. My first response is, thanks for being here. Why? Because the Lord would not have spoken to it. The Lord would not have ministered to you. The, the word would not have touched you in a way had you not been present. So your commitment, your commitment this morning to be present, it matters. It matters as much as our commitment to then go, we're not just going to only gather in our own little huddles and give all of our minutes to time together. We're going to gather for protection and for renewal and for strength and for encouragement. And then we're going to scatter for impact, for restoration, for being God's instrument in bringing his glory to what is rubble in our world. Gathering is vital, necessary for the growth and spiritual health of a body. And scattering is necessary for the spiritual health and growth of a body. Question. Is there any shrinking back on your part on either one of those. And you may go, well, we're here. Ah, but that may be, this may be like, oh, we made it. We don't usually make it. I'm glad you're here. Is it the regular commitment to gather? And what's your connection? with those who need the touch of Christ, who need restoration, who need help, who need healing, who need life, who need truth? Are you scattered and living among them? Or as you look at the, the landscape of your life, do you find, wow, I have created a lifestyle 100% surrounded by other believers. I'm really not making an impact because I'm not connected to anybody who needs the touch of the Lord in their life. Gathering and scattering are necessities. Are you, can, can, are you, are you willing to say that? You seem a little reluctant to say that one right there. Gathering and scattering are necessities for spiritual health and growth in the body of Christ. The wall doesn't get rebuilt if they don't scatter and gather. Final necessity in this text, the necessity of human responsibility and of divine involvement. Necessity of human responsibility and divine involvement. If you go back to what we looked at last week, it started with this. All of them, that is the enemies, those who did not want the walls rebuilt, Sanballat, Tobiah, 
All of them conspired together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause a disturbance in it. Watch. But we prayed to our God, and because of them, we set up a guard against them day and night. They were going to do this, so we prayed and we set up a guard. But notice what it said in our first verse of this week, verse 15. Look at what it said. When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, then all of us returned to the wall, each to his work. So what was it? Was it that they had set up a guard and it stopped them? Or was it that God had thwarted their plans? Yeah. This is the beauty of what it means to be part of the body of Christ where Jesus is the head and we are the body. This is the beauty of what it means to say we are God's co-workers. We are God's co-laborers. That it is this, this mystery. And for all the centuries that people want to try to figure out, you know, which one is it really? Is it really human responsibility or is it really divine involvement? I go, seriously? You're going to try and figure out which one it is? Why can't we just, with lots of gratitude and pure joy, go, it's both. (laughs) It's human responsibility, absolutely necessary. And it's divine involvement, absolutely necessary. If you missed this, it says they set a guard and God thwarted the evil plans. God did what he did and they did what they did. They set the guard and God thwarted the evil plans. Human responsibility and divine involvement. And then with the trumpeter, and whatever place you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. Do you know how much it's easy for us to go, so which is it? Should we get together or should we just believe God will fight for us? Which is it? (laughs) We're to gather? Because I don't know if the Lord will fight for us. Or let's do the work. God will fight for us. Oh, he said, let's gather and let's believe God will fight for us. Maybe you don't get lost or confused or twisted up and bound by it. You know, is, do I have a responsibility or is it, is it God's responsibility? I don't know why we have to live an or life To be people of the scripture and of faith is not to be or, but and. Human responsibility and divine involvement. They set the guard and God thwarted the plans. They gathered for battle and God would fight for them. Nehemiah. Maybe, his, maybe one of his greatest contributions to us as the people of God is his equal commitment to believing in human responsibility and believing in divine involvement. 
So, what's our role? Making disciples. That's our calling, to make disciples. And let me refresh. Some of you will know this well. Some of you, this will be new to you. When we describe making disciples here at CFC, we talk about a coffin, crib, table, and a stove. And we talk about that way because the scripture says all of us begin spiritually dead, physically alive, but spiritually dead. And the need is to be born again, to be raised up from the dead, to believe in Jesus, to go from dead to life in him. And the scripture then says that anyone who is born again is now a infant in Christ. And the need for the infant in Christ is to grow up. Like the need for the person dead in their sin is to be raised up. The person who is an infant in Christ needs to grow up. They need to move from that crib, that high chair, where they're totally dependent for somebody else to like feed them, wash them, lift them, help them, to move from that to what we call the table, where there is a mutual, you pass me the salt, I pass you the pepper. You pray for me, I pray for you. You help me, I help you. There is mutual around. And that's the beauty of life together. It's so good, in fact, that when we imagine the table, we're like, I don't want to leave here. Let me get my recliner and pull my recliner up to the table. But we don't because... If we have the ears of our Lord at the table, we begin to hear babies cry. And we begin to smell dead people. And so we get up from the table and we go to the stove to prepare what? The bread of life to share with those who are dead in their sins and to prepare food for those who are infants so that they can grow up. This is all the language of Scripture. What's our role? Share the gospel. What's God's role? Open the eyes. Human responsibility, divine love. In terms of growing up, what's our role? Give them the scriptures. Teach the scriptures. What's God's role? Speak to their hearts. Bring conviction. You know, every week... I open up the scriptures before I get up here, obviously. Every week, I spend time studying the scriptures. That's my role. What's God's role? Give me insight. Illumine my heart and mind, my mind by his spirit, so that that I would not speak, as it were, human words, but as it were, the very utterances of God himself. Human responsibility, you expect me to study. I need God to speak. See, in the whole discipleship process, there is in me and for you a human responsibility. 
to proclaim him, to share the scriptures, to be willing to get up from the table that we love and go back and help the babies that we once were, to go back and speak to the dead that we once were. It's our human responsibility and we are completely dependent upon God to make human words, living words, supernatural words that open eyes and raise dead hearts. This is why Paul says this. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. There is a wholehearted commitment to be the instruments of God right there. How about that? We proclaim him, admonishing every man. How many of us need admonishment? You need admonishment? I see a few of you think you don't need it. Okay, I think you, so let me admonish you. You need it. <laughs> How many of you give admonishment? <laughs> That's your job, Doug. You're supposed to admonish the people. We call an elder if somebody needs admonished. Oh, I admonish my kids, but nobody else. We all need admonished, and we all need to, in gentleness and wisdom, with grace, admonish. We all need to be taught, and we all need to teach. We all need to hear the word, and we all need to proclaim the word. See, he is saying, we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man. This is the goal, that we would be complete in Christ. But it's a process. We go from dead in our sin to infants in Christ, to infants in Christ, to growing in Christ, to growing in Christ, to multiplying in Christ. That's the discipleship process. And it takes every one of us doing our part, working together. It takes a commitment to be gathered and a commitment to be scattered. It's the work of human responsibility and the necessity of divine involvement. For this purpose also I labor, he says, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. This is why I love this passage. Because if I just stay with that first sentence, it's up to me. But if I complete all that is coming out of the Apostle Paul there, I go, I joyfully and energetically, according to his power, do all that God has given me to do. And you, you, as God enables you, not dependent upon yourself, you, dependent upon the Lord, inviting people into your front yard this week, you, seeking to have conversations, not believing that if I say it right, 
I'll persuade them. But believing that if I proclaim him, I'll trust him to do his part. See, we, we work together, gathered and now scattered this week. Believing that when we obey the Lord, he does his work. He is mightily at work within us. So you can imagine, I've asked the Lord in my preparation and my study to speak to you. I've studied, but I need him to speak to you. And I, I, I think he has. The beauty and the breadth of the body of Christ is that I think the, the Holy Spirit has spoken to you in unique, very personal ways. And so I want to invite you to bow with me. And, and I just want to give a little space right now for you to respond to how the Lord has spoken to your heart. Maybe it's in the area of working together, serving. Maybe it's in scattering or gathering. Maybe it's in trusting him to do his part. But would you respond with your yes to the Lord as he has spoken to you this morning? Lord, in this moment, I want to say thank you for the privilege to pray. To speak words to you, a God who hears and a God who sees and a God who cares and a God who is able to do above and beyond what we ever think or even imagine. Lord, we know that prayers are a part. I want to thank you that, that you work in response to the prayers of your people. So Lord, I would ask that you would grow us up as a body where there are folks who call this home but aren't serving. Lord, would you prompt them by your spirit now? Would the spirit be the one who admonishes and brings a call to action to their heart? where we are guilty, Lord, of hiding within our holy huddles, not engaging the world as your son, Lord Jesus, you engage this world. You speak to our hearts and grow us to be ambassadors for Christ through whom God is pleading that all men would be reconciled to him. Lord, we gather and we trust you to fight. We pray and we trust you to work. We serve and speak and we trust you to move. We proclaim the gospel and we ask you to turn on the light. 
You are our God. You are our leader. We depend upon you. We present ourselves to you as your instruments in the name of Jesus. Let's stand and let's declare ourselves dependent upon the Lord, trusting in him as we pray now. Let's sing together.
Next week, there's some great opportunities. We've got builders, we've got garters, we've got trumpeters. We've got our part to do this week, and we're trusting that the Lord is going to do that in us. So as we scatter, let's go in the, in the faith that God will do the work through us. And as we gather back next week, let's be good hosts. Uh, we are so excited what the, what the Lord's going to do. So I, I pray for an amazing week over all of us here, and that the Lord will do a mighty work in this community. So we'll see you next time. Have a good one. Thank you.